Are you ready? Ready to transform your life and step into the person that you say you want to be. Ready to stop talking and start doing. I'm Ange, a health and fitness coach. And I'm Ashley, a Reiki master and energy healer. And we are here to help you do exactly that. And you're busy. We get that because we are too. But even with the challenges and chaos, you deserve and can live a life full of absolute joy, happiness, and purpose. We want you to join us in taking radical responsibility so that you can take everything in your life to that next level. Have the best sex of your life. Live in a body that you love. Let go of worry and stress. And live in total alignment. Your happier, healthier, and amazing life is waiting for you. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Transform Your Life podcast. Ashley, my love, how are you? I am good. I am so good. We are right in the thick of all things summer. Mm-hmm. And it feels so good. It feels so good. I have been taking this time to truly deeply rest on like a soul level and it was very much needed. So I feel like I'm excited for the things that are kind of unfolding. Um, but that that moment, as long as it was, felt really good to simply just be and rest and show up. And so, but on to other exciting incredible, things. Incredible. I'm so proud of you. That can be a really tough thing, especially as a busy mom. So kudos to you, my love. Kudos to you. Now, in today's episode, we have a very special guest joining us from the West Coast. Welcome to the Transform in Life podcast, Liz Peterson. How are you doing? Hi, Angela. Hi, Ashley. So great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. I'm so glad you're here. Yes, we're so excited that uh, Universe has brought us together and we've been able to connect with you, Liz. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Thanks, Angela. Well, first off, I'm an intuitive energy healer in the middle of Puget Sound, Washington on a little island called Vashon. And I also do oracle readings. I'm an author. I wrote the book, Mom Died Last Night, My Shared Death Experience. It's a memoir of death, grief, and afterlife communication. I wrote that. I basically want to say I channeled it um, through my grief process after my mom passed away last year. And it really highlights the first three months of my mother's passing and what that was like for me and the afterlife communication that followed shortly after that. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. I'm excited to get into this because I was, as I was reading through your bio and some of the things that you're doing, I'm like, Ooh, I got some questions for this girl. Like, I feel like the space that I operate in, I'm also an energy healer. Intuition is a big thing that Angela also dips into massively in her work, um, but I do as well. And so I'm really excited to kind of pick at that brain of yours and dive into those experiences. Um, But one of the things that kind of stuck out was you have experienced a lot of loss as far as physical people in your life have died, right? And one of the things that a part of your work is, is transformation through the grief process and connecting to those people who have passed on um, from this, from this lifetime or from this lifetime or the physical realm that we can feel in touch and connect with them that way. And so what was that? I just wonder 
you've lost both your, your biological father as well as your mom, right? Yes. And so I'm just thinking of the listener who every single person who is listening right now has experienced a loss, right? And maybe it's not your mother or your father, um, but we've all experienced a loss, whether it's a really close to the heart or something that's maybe a little more distant um, as far as even for me, I like grandparents don't feel distant, but that's something we would consider like a natural course of action. And right. Um, so for the person who's listening right now, who is experiencing or who has experienced grief and loss and maybe hasn't felt the fully processing of that, what would you say to that person to help them move into a place of connection or a place of peace or a place of, um, you know, intuition and, you know, really maybe speaking to that person or getting signs from that person. I'm just wondering for, for the listener that's going, oh my gosh, I lost somebody. Help me. I'm drowning, right? Because that grief feeling when it's really deep and sorrowful, it feels like you're drowning from the inside out. And so it really does, Ashley. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. And that really is how I felt after my mom passed, even having experienced so much loss in my life, um, the loss of my biological father when I was 18. And even though we weren't close, it was still a shock to me and a loss that I would never be able to meet this man. Um, about five or six years ago, I lost a half sister from that biological, you know, father and um, have experienced some afterlife communication post her passing, which has been really fun receiving hearts and telephone calls at midnight. And um, but I have to say with my mother, I was really not prepared for how deep of a loss that was going to be for me, how um I really felt it was a soul loss for me. Um, there was really an ache that came along with the loss of my mother that I hadn't experienced with the other losses in my life. And I really found myself like unprepared. I really had to dig into my toolkit of healing modalities and really lift myself out of the grief and process, help myself process through that grief. Part of my process was the writing was I, it was funny. I was really drawn to write starting with the day after my mother's death, really compelled to write. Um, I had felt that way before, um, about five years previous, uh, when my husband now ex-husband and I split, I felt that way too, um, started journaling after that. Um, I really dipped into my self-care process, really getting curious about what I needed in the moment because I was in shock after, you know, I walk in right after my mother's passed away. We were allowed to go to the hospital, my sister and I, and be there because her organs had started to fail. And they gave us a call and said, you're welcome to come to the hospital and be by your mother's side. So we did. My sister did make it to the hospital. I did not. I was just a couple minutes right behind her last breath. And it really was a state of shock for me. I want to say for anybody out there who's lost a parent or has had this feeling of brokenhearted soul loss, I really feel for you. It's really a difficult process. Everybody grieves differently and everybody I feel needs to really tap into what is your body feeling in the moment? What are your needs in the moment? I really recommend to my clients getting curious about their feelings 
what's going on in their bodies. What are they thinking about? What are they naturally drawn to? Do they need to rest? Do they need to step into a hot bath possibly? Make themselves a bowl of nourishing soup like I did, you know, the day after my mother's passing. I was really craving comfort um, because I wasn't able to reach that comfort that had been so present in my life through my mother anymore. So it was, I really feel like the beginning of that transition out of being a mothered daughter into being able to mother myself. So how was I going to do that? And what did that look like? And how was I going to take care of myself? So I really started getting, you know, listening and tapping into my intuition and really following every little thing that came to me, you know, starting to write, taking that hot bath, really, you know, nourishing myself, taking a moment to rest. You know, maybe I needed a moment on Netflix just to kind of check out for a little bit and disconnect a little bit, but not too much. And then come back to my grieving process. Amazing. Was there anything, one of the things that you spoke to our audience about was, if you are going through this, I feel for you. And was there anything anybody said to you during that difficult time that felt like they got it because I think sometimes when somebody is grieving from, from that friendship point or from a sister, from a brother, from a cousin where you you want to comfort somebody, right. Or even a spouse, but you don't know what to say. You know, there aren't words. There's no comfort. There's no, is there anything that anybody ever said to you that was like, thank you. Thank you for just saying this was total fucking shit and sitting with me and drinking a tea or like, coming over and going, we're drinking wine all night. And you know what? You're going to ball your eyeballs out and I'm going to hold you. Or is it, or just like, I don't know. I just wonder if there's, for somebody who's gone through it, who's processed it, who now speaks on it and, you know, really hones in on that grief process from, from the, from the outside supporting somebody. Is there any advice that you would have? Yes, I do. A friend of mine gave me a call. And, you know, shared her condolences with me. She had experienced the same thing when she experienced the loss of her mother. And one thing that was really a standout for me from her was that she didn't try to name my grief. She didn't try to relate to my grief at all, because even though we'd lost mothers, everybody's grief process is different, right? Everybody's had a different relationship with their mother, with their loved one. And what she said to me that I think was just gold, and I put this in my book, is what are you going to do today? What's one thing you're going to do today to self-care? And that stuck with me every single day. That was something I jotted it down. And I'm like, every day, what is one thing I'm going to do for myself today that's taking care of me? That's being aware of my needs in the moment during my grief process. And I have to say, Ashley, you know, we're not really educated in life around grief. People don't know what to say. And I realize that, you know, in the calls, it's like, oh, she lived a long life. You know, um, it's good she's not in pain anymore. You know, I'm sorry for your life. That's really (laughs) the go-to. Um, during my divorce process, it was, you know, I even had somebody say, 
um, sometimes things just last longer than they should. You know, we're really not socially equipped to know what to say when a person is in grief. And we try to relate, but a lot of times um, it doesn't help. You know, and it's really a request to come out of the grief. And what we really need to do is kind of hold ourselves and be in the grief and nourish ourselves, not get stuck in it, you know, to where we're wallowing for years and years after, but just to sit with it and allow ourselves to process the emotion. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, that's okay. That's okay. If somebody would have asked you, Liz, in that moment, what do you need right now? Would you have been able to identify how they might be able to help? I would say no. Mm-hmm. The first 24 hours after my mother's death, I was numb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really disconnected. I was really, like I talk about in my book, kind of stumbling through the day, not knowing what to do. I couldn't remember anything. I was completely distracted and disoriented and numb. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about, oh yeah, make that tea that I wanted to make 30 minutes ago or oh my gosh, the tea's been sitting there and now it's cold or take care of my pets. You know, they really need taken care of right now. I have to remember to do that, right? So it was a constant like tracking myself and what was going on throughout the day and what my body was really wanting was just to rest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even, yeah, so even observing that if somebody would have been close to you, they might've been able to observe, oh, perhaps she wants her tea, Um, but you might not have been able to communicate that. And I think that that's such an important point because I think people do want to help. And so they reach out and they say, anything that you need, just call me girl and I'll I'll get that for you. But I think as you're going through that process, you don't even know what you need. You don't know what's going to make you feel better, especially if you've never experienced something to that magnitude. And so I think that's excellent advice and excellent insight um, that you're sharing there, Liz. Now, you talked about afterlife communication, sign. Pause for one second. I, I need to interrupt yes. here. Okay. Yes. I, I don't normally do this, but okay. Do you feel her right now? She's, I do feel her on a daily basis. She's, yes. She's and here. When I, and she's when I'm not. My door. <laughs> do you feel her? Literally. I, uh, I don't I know if you saw me jump there. I was like, ah. And so sometimes they, usually what happens is spirits or communication when it comes in it like messes with my computer it messes with my music um but no she came right in the door and she like I have this little banner that says soul on it just like whoosh and I'm like oh hi <laughs> do you get signs like that where it's like yes okay yeah well- she showed up in my last interview too yeah she's okay. very present I'll be doing an interview or having you know, interviewing somebody on my podcast, Raise the Vi with Liz, and I'll see hummingbirds come up to the window, bird or butterflies fly by. But my last place, I moved um, just recently in April, but at my last place, I had a water jug, you know, that was sitting in the room. And of course, like if a big truck went by or something like that, the air bubbles would get disturbed and come up through, you know, the water bottle. But out of nowhere, like water bubbles would you know, be released in my water container. Like somebody was walking by it. My printer would go off at all hours of the night and during the day for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. All sorts of fun little clues that she's here. Even a, I heard a door knock one morning as I was waking up. 
in my dogs. It didn't phase my dogs at all. <laughs> Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt, but I was just like, she just she just came right in now. Yep, she's very, very negative. That, yeah. Okay. And when That's we talk name. about our loved ones, they come in. You know, it's like an invitation. Oh, somebody said my name. You know, and what, they step what is in. Her name? Connie. Connie? Yeah. Hi, Connie. We're glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Uh, okay. Sorry. I completely got us derailed there, but I could not, not. at all, girl. I love, I love her. She's <laughs> like she's just, yeah. I love that. Now, Ashley, can you let our audience know, has that ever happened when we've been interviewing or when you and I have been having a conversation? Has that ever happened? Because I don't recall a time when that's ever happened. Not through interviews. I, it sometimes comes through with clients, like when I'm working with people. Um, but it's never happened on an interview. So that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. I just... <laughs> very, very, very cool. I got this little tingle. I'm just buzzing a little bit but uh yeah that's in my book I talk about before my mother passed away how I told her um because we used to talk about this and she was very curious about my gifts and wondered if she had them too because she's like sometimes I feel my brother around but I told her I'm like when you pass over try to communicate with me I'll be able to know that it's you. So send me signs like hummingbirds or butterflies or something like that. And I'll know it's you. So it's really sweet. I really feel like right off the bat, she started to communicate with me. Yeah. yeah through clairvoyance with mental pictures. And then the next day I'm sitting on the sofa and it's a sunny winter day in February. And the sun is shining behind me onto you know, the wall and the door that's in front of me across from the couch and a shadow of a hummingbird flew right in. I'm like, you know, and it caught my eye and I looked up and I just knew it was her. And I didn't have my feeders up yet. I had just moved in to that cabin. Yeah. And it's it a knowing, really right? Sometimes it's yes. just this, right? If we get too in our heads about it, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's hummingbird season or whatever. But it's that first it's the first jolt that's like oh yeah I I know this to be true and we can you know like oh well you know no let go of all of that stuff as as soon as it pops into your mind and it's that like it catches your breath sometimes where it's just like yes and that immediate thought oh mom or dad or sister or child yes okay so one other question. I have a friend of mine who was explaining to me, she's also a healer. Her name's Jen. And she was saying that the longer somebody has passed, the stronger those signs can become. So in the beginning, it often shows up as the, the, the dimes, the cardinals, the butterflies, the hummingbirds in your case. And because they can't move physical objects Mm -hmm. yet. But over time, when they have been in the spirit realm for longer, that's when they can mess around and they can move your keys and they can play tricks on you and do different things because it, they have a stronger ability to give signs. Is that something that you've experienced or you know to be true or what's your thought on that? The only time I experienced that was in the house that I grew up in in Maryland. We lived in Algonquin. It was in the Native American area. The, you know, the whole neighborhood was built on tribal land and our house was haunted. 
and we would have doors open and um, the water be turned on in the bathroom and those sorts of things. So that's my experience as far as like old spirit goes. But with my mother, it was really strong in the beginning. And now it's just kind of little winks now. Um, Now, granted, it's only been a little over a year. It was a year in February. So yet to see. And also with my sister, it started off strong in the beginning with my half sister and it's dwindled over time. So I find the opposite, that it was really strong in the beginning. And now it's starting to get a little bit less. And I really feel like, you know, not only, you know, she's visiting me, but she's visiting my sister's or other people, you know, the grandchildren. And then, you know, she's off doing her work over on the other side too, I really feel. But she's doing her healing on the other side. And there's a part of it too, I believe, where you don't need it to be strong to feel her. It can be the slightest, the most subtle, right? Whereas some people really need a smack in the face, (laughs) right? So in the beginning, when you were in that grief process, you're like, show me, I, I need this. And she's like, okay, I will, I will give you every sign. I'm right here with you. I've got you. I am supporting you. I'm right here. And that's that comfort piece. And as you move through the grief and you settle into life and mothering yourself, you're like, I know you're here. I can feel you. I'm good. Right. Oh, there's a, there's a hummingbird. Cool. I love that. Thanks mom. But I knew you were here without that. Right. Where I think it's that you feel it. You don't need these big grandiose things to, to know and to feel. And so she's like, okay, well, you're, I'm here. I'm still here. I just don't have to like perform for you. So you know, I'm here. If you do know I am here. Right. And in the beginning too, it is really nice to feel those signs. It really does ease grief to know that even though your loved one isn't still with you in the physical, that they're with you in spirit. And it really was nice as a medium, as a psychic, to actually have that validation for myself, to have that firsthand experience for myself. You know, it's one thing to be doing a reading, you know, across the water in the bookshop and have their loved one, you know, step into their right side. But it's another to experience it yourself. And it really did during the grief process really ease the grief. And I think that's the one standout for a lot of people who have that experience is that ease. It provides that comfort that your loved one is okay. And that they're still with you just, you know, just on the other side of the veil. Yeah, I agree. Now, Liz, what sort of advice would you give to somebody who right now is struggling to see grief as a good thing or as an initiation or as an opportunity for healing and growth. If they're struggling with that particular perspective in this very moment, what would you say to them or what sort of advice would you give them? Oh, that's really hard, Angela, because it's really hard to say. I actually would not say that to someone who's in the grieving process that, hey, this is an initiation for you. This is, you know, a gateway into a new perspective or a new way of feeling, seeing, or experiencing your loved one, I would be more drawn to allow them to figure that out for themselves and then come to me. Later, after they figured that out, I would have no problem having that conversation with them, you know, or they really feel like, wow, that really opened me up, or now I have this perspective about my experience. Then, you know, I would ask them if it's okay to, you know, share my reflections about it and then offer, you know, 
my experience with that being an initiation into a personal growth process or an opening spiritually or psychically. Um, and it is, it's an opportunity for different perspective, right? We get a different perspective on life and death. We get a different ex experience or perspective on, you know, life goes on after that death. It's not the end that our energy continues on. And then a new perspective on healing and life, like um, my new perspective, I'm going to live my life to the fullest. You know, what is important to me? I think a lot of people experience that during lockdown, right? They gain, you know, having so much loss, loss of their jobs, loss of being able to hang out, their freedom. And then they come out of it going, wow, that completely changed my perspective. Like, I don't want to be working nine to five anymore. I really enjoy being at home. It's really a gift to be able to work remotely. I get to spend time with my children and my family now. So that, you know, being an initiation, you know, into, oh, I experienced this loss, but hey, look what came out of the loss. And now I can do things differently and really live from my passion and purpose, you know, and not waste my life on, you know, being away from my family so much now that everything's opened up remotely. Yeah. Thanks you for that question. That was a great question. One of the things that I see with you, Liz, that I work a lot with in my spaces, the whole reason that I do what I do is to hopefully move others um, towards a path of play. And that sounds all like, like you're floating through the, the rose gardens with the fairies you're floating with your, you know, your skirts and your, which would be great. And I aim for that. But it's that it's not that bliss is not that bliss is that regardless of what's happening outside of you, you're okay. And you can step outside of the human ego experience, which is suffering and be okay. Even though I don't choose this, I can accept this. I can appreciate it. And when you talk about being present in grief, that's what that sounds like, where it's, I, I wouldn't choose this, but I'm here for it. And it sucks, but I'm going to feel it. And I know I'm okay because I'm a steady, strong, capable, loving human. And so I'm just going to feel, and I'm going to be here. And then that allows those feelings to transmute and all of a sudden that grief that pain that suffering when you're fully present with it it just becomes neutral and you become okay and that's the bliss place where you're okay even though everything else is not okay and that's where I feel like you're talking about would you say that that's the experience you're speaking of in relation to that big loss Yes. I love that. That was really well said, Ashley. Yes. Yeah. I really find myself there. And it really is like, I think the norm for everybody is, okay, I'm going through this suffering. How do I reach my bliss? But now that I've come out of, you know, the suffering of my grief and I've gone into acceptance and grief is more of like this friend that you know is there and just shows up randomly at your door. Right. And I have the tools and skills to be able to work with that. Right. So now I like to live my life through pleasure instead, instead of moving from suffering to pleasure, starting with pleasure, what brings me joy, what brings me bliss. And pleasure is way more than just the physical pleasure, right? That comes from a love connection, right? I'm talking about the pleasure of eating good food 
or going out with your friends and experiencing the joy of laughter and community, right? Those pleasure experiences. Watering your plants. I've discovered I love watering my plants. That's pleasure, right? And I'm like, yes, like sex and like, you know, touching and all that like juicy stuff. And that's good. Mm -hmm. But like, it's really finding pleasure in your mundane. Yes. Getting your hands dirty in the garden. That's one of my favorites. Or when my plants, I walk by and I'm like, oh, they're asking me to water them right now. Right? Because... (laughs) Um, yeah, and you're telling them that you love them. Yeah. <laughs> so I know this. But that, yeah. I think, is the beauty of what you're speaking to, is the pleasure in the mundane of the doing of the tasks, right? You have to eat. You might as well eat food you want to eat. You might as well nourish your soul as well as your body, right? Or it's just kind right. of like... And how stuff. often do we sit there with our food and take that bite and go, oh my gosh, this is so good. Like, I really want to enjoy like every aspect of this bite of this lasagna or whatever I just ate, right? It's that fully present piece. Yes. And whether you're doing it with grief or you're doing it with food, that's that bliss place where you're so fully in whatever you're feeling. So I love that. Yes. Me too. I kind of want to shift directions. I've got a little nudge here. Is there a way we can pull Oracle cards or Oracle something into right now? Because we love pulling cards on the episodes and it's such a fun way to get messages. And since you are an expert in the Oracle space, would you mind sharing a little bit of that list? I wouldn't mind at all. I'll pull out my favorite cards which are um, my Indigo Angel Oracle cards from Doreen Virtue. And I love these especially um, because I love angels. I've been seeing angels my whole life. And one of my favorite stories is when uh, my mother and I were going to a nursery um, locally and we're driving and I was telling her about the angels and how you can communicate with the angels and how um, all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask for a sign. And this goes for our loved ones as well as the angels, right? And so we did. We were in the car before we went into the nursery. We asked for a sign. And I had uh, my second born child with me at the time. And he had white blonde hair. He was a towhead. So we're walking around the nursery and a woman comes up to us out of nowhere. Like flower nursery? Yes. Yeah. Flower nursery. And she goes, oh my gosh, look at that angel hair. (laughs) And mom and I just looked at each other and we're like, yes, there it is right there. That's the sign. (laughs) I love it. Angels are my favorite. And I love when I'm working on my clients, everybody has an angel or more, and they always step in for the healing process. I don't know if you guys experience that too during your energy healing practice, but I think they're fantastic. Okay. So I asked for a card for um, the day. Like, what do we need to know right now? Excellent call, Angela. I'm glad you listened to this. Okay, so the card that I pulled is Explore. And I think that that really goes well with the podcast that we're doing today because we've really been talking about exploring our emotions, right? You know, it's more than just, you know, exploring the world, like as we want to do, right? Like when you hear the word explore, we automatically can think, oh, it's about exploration of the world. You know, but I think explore is really on point right now because a lot of people are exploring their inner selves and they're exploring a new way to be. 
right? And I think that that's really what needs to happen in the world now is getting out of that old paradigm and really stepping into the new and exploring, okay, what not only benefits me, but benefits others as well. And how can we explore that together and do these co-creations like we're doing today, where we're able, you know, to speak to our audience and show them different perspectives in life and how to explore themselves and, you know, a new way to be, a new way to heal. I love that. Me too. Me too. I'm wondering, Ashley, since you're a Reiki master and Liz is a Reiki master, I'm also wondering, I'm not sure how much experience you have, Liz, versus Ashley, but I'm wondering if there's any wisdom to be passed down from one Reiki master to another Reiki master based on the experience. Okay. Mm. Okay. What's your biggest nugget of wisdom when it comes to connecting with the other side. Because for me, I feel like that's not a focus in what I do, but it shows up. Ah, a nugget of wisdom and about I, the other side. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like I call in, I call in everybody. Kanji, I call in God, source, universe, quantum, spirit, Creator, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Dr. Yusuf, yourself, your your guardian angels, my guardian, like everybody, right? And unless somebody says to me, hey, I want to connect with my grandma Eileen, she just kind of shows up in the crowd, right? And unless, not always, but often it's kind of like, unless somebody tells me, it doesn't necessarily show up. There's been times when I've been, there's been a little boy who's come in and he just like is tugging on my shirt. And I'm like, oh, hi. Where'd you come from? But it's not always, right? So it's this, it's, it feels sporadic. Whereas I would love to be able to tune into it, call it in and have almost like a procedure or a formula around it. Be like, oh, this is grandma because of X, Y, and Z, right? There's times when, so a client yesterday, I was like, who like, there's a lot of, like, I feel mom energy. What's going on? Like, but I don't, have a way of articulating that in a way that like a medium is like, oh, I see your grandpa. He's got a beard. He was this, this tall. He's wearing brown clothes. He has a hat on. I don't see that. So I'm just wondering to call more of that into my practice or allow more of that. What would you recommend? I would recommend starting with a meditation practice, of course. Um, getting to know how you receive your messages is also important. I tell all the people that come and take the classes with me to get to know how you work. Are you clairsentient? Are you clairvoyant? Are you claircognizant? How is the information showing up for you? Are you seeing pictures? Are you experiencing the actual feelings in your body? Do you just know things? Are you hearing names or hearing like a car crash or hearing um, ambulance uh, sirens going off? Um, so getting to know how you receive the information. I think sitting in the power is gold. And that is, you know, sitting in meditation and raising your vibration up and allowing spirits vibration to meld with you and come down. And just that invites, you know, spirit to work with you on a daily basis. Um, I also keep a dream journal at night because I get a lot of dream visitations and do a lot of work in my sleep. So I'm always writing down what I'm experiencing. And the more you work with it, 
the more you open the door, the more it comes on for you. But I want to go back to also, how are you experiencing the information? Like when I'm sitting with a client, I can, you know, see them step forward, but then I'm also seeing mental images of my mother or my grandmother or my father or a stop sign. And those are, you know, signs that are specific to me that I can pass on like, okay, your grandmother is present. Then, you know, I may see, oh, she works in a bakery because I'm seeing a baker or, um, oh, your mother is here because I'm seeing my mother or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And when I'm doing mediumship, um, I even feel it. Like, okay, I'm you map on to get maps under your body. Yeah. 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 Physical mediumship where I can actually feel like a hunched over body or the heart attack or the pain in the stomach or the severe head wounds. I do have to kind of pull out of it a little bit, you know, kind of ease myself into it and ease myself out of it. So it's not extremely painful for me, but that is a way that I receive information as well along with the visuals. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Mine is very clear cognizant. There's a few things that I see, like the little boy, I was like, I like, I see you. Hi, like you're here. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not one thing that is like strong, hard and fast. It's these little snippets and they come in sometimes. I don't typically hear things like in the way that somebody would speak in my ear, but I hear things in a knowing way. Yes. And I love that you brought up claircognizance again, too, because I think that is one of the least talked about clairs. And it's surprising how many people do have claircognizance, right? And so often, like I know growing up myself, you know, being a child of the 80s, we were taught like, don't say I know it's rude. Don't say I think it's rude, right? So we're automatically, we're taught to actually turn that off because it's not okay, because it's easier for people to hear, I feel, right? Which is why I think the empathy has really come online first and the clairvoyance has really come online first as far as psychics goes, because it's really easier for people to hear and understand. But now we're stepping into like, okay, I'm a a five sense feeling, you know, person plus five more if you look at my Claire's, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so totally. yes. it is okay now to have that conversation, to say, I know, and I think without it being considered rude, you know, like it was back in the day. Right. Yeah, it's important. Or, and that's what my main, main Claire's too. Like, you just know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So how long have you been doing Reiki? How long is? Um, since 19... 19- Oh, you're way. No, you're way. <laughs> yeah, entered, I, yeah. So in the um, early '90s, I started with massage therapy. I was, you know, 21, 22 years old. That led to polarity therapy, um, core shamanism, and then in my late 20s, I found my four-year program. And part of the four years was getting our Reiki master there. So starting in 1998, and then finishing up in the early 2000s. That is so cool. Yeah, I love it. And Reiki is, you know, an opening too. I remember, you know, sitting there and getting the attunement and all of a sudden I see myself standing, you know, sort of on a platform with my arms raised and all of this light and bubbles is like streaming down into my body. It was was really opening. So that's another thing too. If somebody wants to open psychically, start doing the work, start doing healing work, you know, get your Reiki. Mm -hmm. It opens you up. On my fourth attunement um, for my level one, 
I literally heard the voice of God. He said, you are my child. And he I'm literally in his hand. Wow. And I was like, no, it was bad. I was like, uh-uh. I was raised Catholic. I don't want God. I want the universe. Like, no way. Like, I can't do this. I struggled because I was, right? And so now I bring in the masculine, which is God, and the feminine, which is the earth, or you can call it universe, right? Uh, But that rocked my world because I literally, God was there. And I was like, I actually don't want this. (laughs) I have a lot of trauma connected to what I think you are and what, right? Like all that conditioning to it. So, um, yeah, the labels of programs are really hard when you experience something like that. You have to struggle and kind of rework. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's good good to like, you know, get in there and rewire everything. But yeah. Do you have any questions for me? Angela was kind of, if there's anything that you wonder based on what I do as a practice. So I'm curious what you do as a practice. I hear you saying, you know, your mediumship is really coming online and you've been doing your healing work. Angela, I'm not sure if you do healing work as well. And um, how do you work with your clients, you know, and bring, you know, that energy work, that nurturing, that healing. I'm sure you're a conduit. I like to call myself a conduit. Yeah. (laughs) For the healing. That's what I say. People are like, you're amazing. I'm like, literally, I do nothing. I just like get to show up. I get to witness all this awesomeness, but I'm just the tube. I'm just the conduit from from you and source. Like I just, I'm just the pipe. Mm -hmm. And how do you help your clients through grief? Often um, I have a client that I'm thinking of. It was through connection specifically with her mom as well. Um, Some people do come for that exact reason. And that makes it easier because we can actually tune into that. Um, And one of the things that I notice is this window that is right in front of me, actually, it's on the right side. It's where whenever I'm on this arm, it's like, that's when their people come in and I'm like, oh, I think we got a portal happening here. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm still navigating that piece. Um, But I would say for me, when it comes to grief, I think a lot of people are grieving lots of things right now. They're grieving losses of partners. They're grieving the losses of family members because COVID's They're grieving. And so if for a death is something that I definitely see clients for, but I would say a lot of people are grieving. Even sometimes it's the life they wished they had. And they don't have, right? They're they're grieving. So I think when I think of grief, it's an ache in the heart for something that's no longer, right? And I see people who are struggling with that feeling, regardless of like the level of or the depth of that feeling, um, often, right? And so it's coming back into the body and returning to the heart and just that explore card right getting curious what's showing up and sometimes it's it's old wounds sometimes it's um childhood stuff that's just kind of there energetically we don't have to know what it is necessarily but energetically um there was i had a client in yesterday and um 
we were kind of working through some menopause things and it like, whoosh, we went right back. I was like, oh, something happened to puberty. I don't know. Like, and we kind of, you can dive in that way. Right. And so grief shows up in the body as stuck emotions, right? So I'm Mm. grieving or there's an emotional response being held in my hips, for example. And I don't know why, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's there. Right. And so there's grief in that piece there, even though it's not known, even though it's just held. And so the clearing of that is there's a lightness. I would say when, when clients leave here or when I get those messages kind of the next day or the next week, they're like, I just feel lighter. I feel clear. I feel like I'm me again. I feel alive. I feel like all that stuff. I don't even know what it was. Isn't there. Right. Um, so I would say that that's kind of grief, but on like a broad spectrum of just life as suffering. Right. And in Buddhist cultures, they actually, the word they use for grief or not grief, the word they use for life is dukkha. And dukkha, the direct translation for dukkha, which is life, um, is suffering. So they literally call life suffering. So imagine if you're like, hey, how's suffering today? Like living a good life, living a good suffering, like, oh, just living my best suffering, right? Like imagine if we called it suffering because life, translates into suffering and that's that bliss piece that even through the suffering I'm good I'm at peace I'm in love I am good you know this sucks right here right because when I think about life even in a world where life is exactly how it should be which means everybody who's older than us dies before us and everybody who's younger than us guys after us that would be a perfect world and people would just die of old age that would be a perfect world and even if that was the case we would still experience so much suffering we would lose both of our parents possibly our spouse we would lose some of our siblings maybe all of them if you're the youngest we would lose some cousins we would lose some friends right like there would still be a ton of loss even if it meant you didn't lose children you didn't lose nieces or nephews you didn't lose anybody younger we know that that's not the case. Life is not perfect. So we lose not only people older than us, but people younger than us. People die in car accidents. People die in, you know, like disease and death and war and famine. And so when I think about grief, like grief is life suffering. And I think a lot of us are suffering almost all the time. I was very long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> that was great though thanks mm. for the tip. that was beautiful yeah, <clears throat> yeah so um just to add on Ashley I feel like that was long-winded but you also didn't really tell her some of the cool things that you do um but that's okay because I will uh I will boost you and uh, <laughs> uh share that with Liz and with our audience so Um, I would say one of the main things that we do is help people with healing. And um, that's through the events that we hold, the spaces that we create by holding breathwork ceremonies, by having retreats, by bringing um, women and men together for incredible days of healing. Um, The main modality that I've been working in recently is human design, but I have been in the fitness industry for 10 years. 
Um, I went to Peru and did ayahuasca and realized that I was a healer as well. And that stepping into my role as a healer um, was really important, which led us down the path of becoming certified with breathwork and just really stepping into using my hands and, and Ashley's hands as well as a tool for healing in those spaces. Um, I would say the other thing that you do, Ashley, is intuitive conversations is going to be the way that I describe what it is that you do, but you have these really powerful conversations with people that uh, help tap into their higher self, tap into um, what it is that you're seeing from that perspective and help them have realizations that they might not have been able to have on their own. Nice. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're you're right. Amazing. Amazing. Well, we want to thank you, Liz. I do want you to tell us a little more about your book before we wrap up today's episode. So if somebody is to be interested in your book, what what could they expect from reading it? So they could expect to hear my story about um, what my experience of my mother's death was, what that shared experience their death experience was with her, um, my grief process, and then the afterlife communication. So again, the book is called Mom Died Last Night, My Shared Death Experience. And it is a memoir of um, death, grief, and afterlife communication. And they can find my book on Amazon and more about me and the book on raisethevibewithliz.com. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. And our last and final question, which seems very fitting based on today's conversation, is Liz Peterson, how would you like to be remembered? Ooh, how would I like to be remembered? Good question, Angela. Um, I value healing in my life. So I think I would like to be remembered as someone who's doing the work, who's trying to make an impact on the world and put healing out into the world one person or one conversation at a time. I think it's really important in the shift that we're going through, you know, to move from the old paradigms into the new. And um, that is a purpose of mine is to make an impact on the world, even if it's small. Amazing. Amazing. Well, it sounds like you are doing just that, Liz. So thank you for sharing all your expertise and wisdom in today's conversation. We really appreciate you and we wish you all the best as you move forward. Thank you so much. And thank you, Ashley. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really had a great time. One thing that I've noticed, and I just want to say I appreciate, is your use of names. Thank you. Yeah, I noticed that. And right, like you, when you speak, you say somebody's name and I, I'm, I'm a name person. I'm a name snob, not, not a snob, but I, I believe that, you know, names should be correct and to use somebody's name is special. So when you say, thank you, Ashley, for saying that, I'm like, oh, she said my name, right? Like, so I just wanted to take note of that and say, thank you. But anyways, oh, it's been thank you. an absolute pleasure, Liz. <laughs> Thanks. I really appreciate you both. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks Thanks for coming on. We'll see you guys next week. Lots of love and uh, bye for today. Ciao. Bye.